everyone. This is Three Questions with Ryan Kelleher. Intro music. Okay, Ryan is actually um, from uh, Prince Edward Island on the opposite side of Canada, and I'm excited to talk to him. And Ryan is actually a new dad for the second time. So give it up for Ryan. Congrats on the baby, buddy. So, hey, uh, Ryan and I are going to have like a longer conversation talking about his book, uh, The Superstar Curriculum, and I'm excited to just have a conversation and sit down with him. And I know Ryan has inspired a ton of students. I know a lot of people have, has, have read his book and he's inspired them. So Ryan, I really want to know, uh, when you look back at your educational career, when you think about all the teachers that you've had, maybe even the teachers that you worked with, like when you think about, is there one that sticks out to you? Um, like a really superstar teacher that sticks out to you and why? That's a really good question because when I think back to being a student and having worked now as a teacher with, um, some of the teachers that I actually had as a student, because I, I worked at my old high school. So I, I, I've gotten to see some teachers in kind of two different lights. But um, I think the one teacher that sticks out the most as kind of the superstar teacher for me um, was my grade 11 math teacher. And my uh, he, was all, he, he also taught me economics in grade 12. Um, his name was Sean McCormick. And uh, I didn't ever loved math, but, uh, but I definitely loved Mr. McCormick. Um, so, you know, with teachers, um, a lot of it has to do with the connection they're able to build with, with their students. And he was a master at that, mm -hmm. in, in, in my opinion. Um, when we went to his class, you know, he was there to greet us. He was there to be conversational with us. He was there to ask us questions, get to know us on a personal level. And that having that connection always made the learning um, feel as though it was secondary, um, even though, you know, primarily he was there to teach us math, but right. um, it, it, it felt as though he was there to kind of be with us. And then we just happened to be learning math along the way. Um, so he was actually probably the, the main teacher that propelled me into wanting to become a teacher. Um, I, I always thought, you know, the work that he did was, meaningful i always felt the connection um to uh to the way he was able to bring students along and and make learning fun and i was and i always thought okay that that would be a cool job to have so he, he's probably the teacher that sticks out the most to me when i think about uh, most memorable and that's that's a, that's interesting because we usually like when i hear these stories and i ask like a ton of people these questions uh, usually it's a teacher that inspired me to like, you know, has a lot of those traits, uh, that you're talking about, you know, makes a, the classroom really welcoming, but there's also like something like, yeah. And then they inspired me to actually like teach that same subject or something like that. And it's, I love that. Cause I think I, I actually think of some of the teachers that I really loved. They actually taught it the subjects I hated the most. And, right. and it's, it's interesting because of that connection that you have. And it was that, and I think we always kind of think like, Hey, we're doing a really great job when we get that kid super excited about that topic. But I think sometimes it's maybe not realistic and we all have different strengths. We have different abilities, but I think there's, I think when you're talking about, is it Mr. McCormick, you said, is that, am I saying it correctly? Yes. That the, yeah. they, you know, teaching you how to learn is probably more important long-term than teaching you how to learn math. 
And I'm not saying math's not important, but really uh, learning is in every aspect of our lives. And I love that you said it was almost like secondary. It, exactly. And and I feel as though he, he, he really understood that well in the sense that, you know, he taught math, but he really understood that he taught students. Mm-hmm, first right. and and uh you know i don't want to sound as though if, if someone asked me what i teach i'll often say i teach entrepreneurship right, or right. i teach career aspirations but the reality is is that you know we do teach students first and yeah. and there is that distinct difference in the way that um the teacher who you, know, you may not explicitly say it but the way that you approach it, uh teaching um can matter and and, and he was very student driven mm-hmm. um and it 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 allowed students to feel empowered and then it made learning a lot easier. Okay. Then you know what? Mr. McCormick gets a special shout out, but (laughs) Ryan, that's my favorite button. That's my favorite button. So the more I can press it, it is a good, but it is a good button. (laughs) I have like about 90 on this thing, but that's the one that's my favorite one. Okay. So Ryan, so um, you teach entrepreneurship and I'm really excited to talk to you about that and kind of like what what does that even mean, especially in 2021? Uh, and what right. do you actually like, what is that content area? Like, what do you, what do, you do? Um, and so I don't know if that's like a normal, like something that I see in a lot of schools, right? And obviously some vision to bring that together, right? And like, I wish we could just say, hey, this is what we wanna teach, but like administrators can make a huge impact uh, on the work that we do each day. They can make an impact on us, you know, when we're kids in schools. So when you look back at, you know, some of the best administrators that you have, is there one in particular that sticks out to you and maybe like inspire some of the work that you're doing today? Yeah, I think so. So I've had the pleasure to work um, for three different principals um, in, in the school where I am, and they've all been spectacular. Um, at But the first principal that I had, um, her name was Susan Willis, and um, she was a tremendous leader um, for a variety of reasons. And I think first and foremost, um, her personal bar was very high mm-hmm. um, and it was contagious. Um, she, 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 she set the standard at the school um, to be one where uh, professionalism was expected, um, where uh, helping was expected, where high, uh, high standards were expected, just okay. as, a, as a real kind of um, illustrative example. Um, if there was ever a broken tile on the floor, it was replaced immediately. Right. Um, and, 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 you know, on the surface, that may not mean much, but it was it, uh, from a symbolism perspective, it, it was just the idea that um, the way that we cared for the school, the way that we cared from the tile in the school to the vo- most vulnerable population of the school was done to the highest degree and, and with the highest um, level of integrity. And, uh, and that trickled down from admin to teachers, to students, to EAs, to home and school. And, uh, and it really created kind of a, what, what kind of felt like a prestige in the school in the sense that you were proud to be there. Um, so I, I would definitely have to give a shout out to Miss Susan Willis. Shout out. <laughs> so this is actually, uh, I, I used to do this, uh, Stephen Covey training 
And uh, it was really kind of talking about like, what is great leadership and why, you know, why it matters. And there was like a story I distinctly remember and there was like a video and it wasn't the actual principle, but you know, they did like a, a simulation or whatever. And they talked about this one principle and she uh, went to a school, was really, the school was really struggling, you know, had a really bad culture. And I know this is going to sound gross, but there she would walk by um, this bathroom and it's like was just stunk like really horribly. And she's like, why is this? And basically there was like literally urine like on the floor, couldn't get it out. And they basically said they couldn't do it. And she actually went in there and went and like just went and cleaned it up and actually like it was like in like it wasn't just that someone had an accident it was like ingrained in the floor and she like did right. this and they said that basically when people found that out and found out like what she did that it changed it started changing the culture and i'm not like hey principals go clean urine like that's not the point of the story <laughs> but there's like like it's there is a pride in our schools and that emulates and because when kids see that you care about the environment of the school they tend to care about it a lot more and like a lot of really great administrators one thing i've noticed and it's like a really subtle thing they will never walk by a piece of garbage and not pick it up they don't tell exactly. they don't tell somebody else to do it they they do it themselves because there is a certain pride in that school that you go to every single day and that is like if you like when you don't actually have necessarily that interest the the students notice that and then sometimes they feel less right and you know i i think they're like it, that's a really I, I really appreciate you sharing that because i think that's that was something that was important to me like really kind of what's on our walls what's represented what's the presentation of the school um yeah it says a lot about the culture and what we Ex like what we expect of ourselves and what we try to bring to kids. Exactly. And, and with, with Miss Willis, that's really what it was about. Like the way that the way she expected herself to act, yeah. um, she, she, like her video always matched her audio, so to speak. Oh, that's um, good. I like that. If, 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 if her, if, if she was saying one thing, she was out there doing it. And when she was out there doing it, you felt as though you could do it as well. And, um, and it just kind of, that leadership was modeled and definitely appreciated and noted. Yeah. And that, 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 you know, that modeling is everything, right? Cause it's, it's way easier to follow a leader by example than by words. I like that audio and video. That's uh that's pretty good. That's a, that's a good one. You're going to, you get one of those, Ryan, for that one. Okay. So, uh, you're doing some really great things in your career. You're, you know, you've published a really successful book. Uh, you're teaching a really cool class, and we're going to talk about that more in a second. There's, there's no way you just woke up and started doing this stuff, right? Like, I'm sure you were a great teacher when you first started, but you're probably so much better than what you are, like you are now than oh, what you were, yeah. right? So you look there's back, people. right? Because I think a lot of people don't see that journey. And this is one of the reasons I love asking this question is because I have these guests who are really accomplished, do really incredible things in education, but people just think they just woke up. It's just natural, right? So when you go and you look back in your career, if you look at those, that first year, you know, like something that you might be embarrassed by, you wish you could say like, oh, why would you do that? Like, what would be that advice that you'd give to your first year self? So I think 
when you're right, when I do look back, you know, there are some things here you just kind of shake your head yeah. and, and, but there's learning there. There's learning there for sure. Um, but if I were to give myself advice, it would actually be advice that I received. Um, and, and it was advice from my grandmother. She was, she was a teacher and mm -hmm. she was a teacher so long ago that she had to retire when she got married. She, she couldn't oh. be married and be, and be a teacher. So, <laughs> so, so when she got me, so she chose marriage and love and she retired from teaching. But when I started teaching, she told me, um, she said, Ryan, you know, just because you're a teacher, it doesn't mean you're no longer a learner. And right. that advice kind of stuck with me. Um, and you know, it's very easy to be caught up in, well, well my job as a teacher is to teach this curriculum. Um, but you know, really you need to learn along with your students, especially if I look back from 14 years and the way the world has changed and technology has changed yeah. and professional development has changed. Um, if, if a teacher is not a learner first, they're not going to be a very effective teacher. It's actually when I, I remember, uh, one, one school I taught at, they asked me if I could teach math and I wasn't, I was like, so it was a, it was actually a grade seven to 12 school. I said, I could teach grade eight math, but no right. way I could teach grade nine math. Like I just, and part of it was, uh, I actually like, I like failed or I didn't, I was as close to failing as possible. Grade nine math. I, I like probably did fail and was like bumped up because the teacher didn't want to right. see me the next year. Right. So I think it was like, like 49, like just give this kid a 50. So I don't have to see him next year, even though I was like a good math student before. Right. So like kindergarten grade eight. So there's some like harboring, uh, things. And so, so there, so to hire me, they're like, oh yeah, don't even worry about it. Like we got you like grade eight math. I said, like, I will not, if I have to teach grade nine math, I'm not taking this job. Right. right. So then one year after like next year, they're like, Hey, well, you're doing grade nine math. I'm like, oh, you got me. Cause like now I'm like embedded in the community I'm living there. Yeah, and it was exactly. actually interesting because that became one of my favorite classes to teach. And part of it is because I really didn't understand the concepts when I was, you know, a student and I actually had to like go and learn them. And it helped me kind of understand when kids struggled because I'm like, okay, this is, I actually had to, like, I don't know this stuff. I have to like go through this. I'm like, okay, this is where a kid might, you know, have an issue. And so kind of like immersing yourself in that process it actually became one of my, probably my best classes that I was teaching because I had, I, I wasn't an, an expert when I started and we feel like we don't know the content inside out, but I think it's really kind of understanding your learners and some of the things that they're going to fall. And so, like, I've seen, uh, the opposite and I maybe have been the opposite in some classrooms where I've seen math teachers who know math, like mm -hmm. inside out but then they, they understand in such a way they can't understand when people struggle. Cause it's just, it feels like second nature to them. Yeah. And it, and you can sometimes miss out on that empathetic piece of, totally. of leading and learning and, and teaching when, you know, you're trying to put yourself in someone else's shoes and what they're going through. And if you're, if you know it all and it's easy to you, sometimes, sometimes that can get lost if, mm -hmm. if you don't step back and, and, yep. and put yourself kind of, um, in the learner's shoes. I love that, man. Ryan, I'm pumped and thanks for being on three questions today. I'm pumped to talk to you more about your book, Superstar Curriculum. So make sure that after you watch this, you're gonna see that podcast dropping in the future. So Ryan, thanks for being on three questions. Awesome.
Have a good day, everybody. Thanks for having me.